Today I'm going to talk about something really fun, and, um, and I'll ask that you don't judge me based on it, or that you don't feel condemned about this, okay, because that's not the, the, the heart behind it, but uh, know my heart that it is uh, what 3 John uh, 2 says, you know, beloved, Vida family, I wish that you may prosper in all things and be in good health. In good health. Oh, we're going to talk about health. If you leave, we're going to know. So you can't leave. And be in good health just as your soul prospers. You know, just as your soul prospers. That means, you know, people perish for lack of knowledge. The things that we don't know sometimes are the things that are eating at us. And, and we just don't know any better, you know. And, and that, that's with everything, you know. I was telling somebody, like, we parent to the degree we were parented at. We, we're always, you know, by default, we're going to parent and be a spouse based on the standard that we were parented and the marriage that we saw our parents have. It's, it's, it's a natural standard. Whether we like it or not, we're going to say, I'm never going to do that or I'm going to do that and more. It's always going to be based off of that standard. You know, you're always going to say, well, I had it worse or, you know, she has it way better. She didn't even know what my parents were like, you know. We always use the standard that was used with us, you know, to measure. And so we need a biblical standard and, and, and we need to know, like, what, is, what does God say about this stuff? And so it's the same thing with health, you know? You might be like, man, you know, like, my parents used to eat terrible. I am so much better. I'm way better. You know, my, my parents never exercise, you know, and I, and I go to the gym. I have a membership. And that, that makes you feel better, you know? And it's like, we need to... <laughs> we can't go off of those standards, and we could perish for lack of knowledge. And so it's to the degree that our soul prospers, that we can prosper in health and everything else in our life, okay? And, and the, the reason why, you know, the Bible tells, you know, John is saying, like, I want you to be in good health is because you have a race to run. Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Tell the person next to you, you have a future and a hope. And it's a good one. It's a good one. God has a plan for us. And this plan is in our future. In our timeline, it's in our future. It's, it's today. You know, it was yesterday. But the rest of it is coming tomorrow. And the next day and for the next few years. And so God has a plan for you. He has a hope. He has, he has good works for you. In Ephesians 2.10 it says, For we are God's masterpiece. Tell the person next to you, you are a masterpiece. Not a piece of work. Not a piece of work. You are a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. And check this out, it says, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God planned long ago good things for you to do. Like, if you ever wonder, like, what's left to do? Well, ask God, because he has planned things for you to do. Well, well how long? You know, in my 20s, my 30s, I'm retired now. Let me tell you, there's no retirement in the Bible. 
Moses lived to 120, and Genesis, God limited their years to 120 years. Moses lived to 120. He went on a hike about 3,000 feet high. I don't know if it was his birthday or not, but he went to heaven that day. And the Bible says that he had 20-20 vision. That's how I translated that, you know. His eyes, you know, weren't weak, you know, and he was, he was strong as ever. 120 years, you know, I know today we hear like, well, I don't want to live 120 years. I mean, I look, I, I'm, you know, I'm 40 and I feel like I'm 120 years, you know. It's like, no, 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 listen, it doesn't have to be that way. Moses lived a full life, 120 years. Um, Caleb, he was as strong, the Bible says he was, he was as strong as strong as 85 as he was at 40. That's, pretty, that's a good goal right there. Life goals, you know. <laughs> 80, the new 40. <laughs> that's pretty good, right? And so it is God's will that we're in good health. They ran the race well, right? They were received in heaven, not because their bodies couldn't take it anymore, but because they were done. They ran the race. You know, it's sad to see how many pastors and ministers, you know, their lives are cut short because of their health. You know, and, and whether you're called to ministry or not, you know, what, whatever you do, it's sad when our lives are cut short because of, because of our health. You know, God has a good plan, a future, and a hope, and he has prepared works for us to do. And so today's title is Your Body... The vehicle for our purpose. The body is the vehicle for our purpose. You know, we're spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. So the vehicle that we have for our purpose in life is our body. And you got to think of it as a car, okay? It's, imagine that your first car was the only car you got for your whole life. Should have gotten full coverage, <clears throat> right? Low deductibles. No. You know, like if, if your first car was the car for your whole life, we'd probably all be in trouble. Right? I mean, some people drive theirs like a rental every day, you know, and it's like, you know, a car you can get another one, but a body you can't. And some feel like they're invincible because they're 16 years old, right? Like, I can do anything, eat anything. Not, not sleep, and I feel great. Yeah, well, that's what happens with a new car. A new car, you can drive it like a rental, right? But then it's not going to make it past 50,000 miles. It's going to be falling apart. Okay. I knew this was going to be tough, but okay. Um, it says in uh, Joshua 14.10, it says, Now... As you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I'm 85 years old and I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. And fight. That's a plus there. I mean... You know, it's going to come the time where I can't, not going to be able to wrestle my son anymore, you know. It's just, 
I, well, actually, I probably can't now. <laughs> you know, the lag and all. <laughs> like, he could run, and I, that's it. I'm done. First Corinthians uh, 10.23 says, All things are permissible, but not all things are benef- beneficial or profitable. Um, the, the other one, I'm sorry, before I go there, the other one that, that um, uh, Joshua, he died at 110 years old. And I was thinking, Lord, how come Moses won all 120 and Joshua only 110? Here's what God said. He probably had too much honey from the land milk and honey. Now, that's what I think. I think he just, he's like, what is this glorious thing? And he just had too much honey and his glucose levels probably just went up too high. And he didn't, you know. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's not, that's not theology, okay? That's not theology, you know. Um, but all things are permissible. It, you know, it, it tells us that we're no longer under the law. All things are permissible, but not all things are good for you. So in other words, God is treating us like, like, like adults. Like we have to be adulting now. You know? In the desert, they didn't have a menu option. It was just the same diet for everybody. Right? But then you kind of grow up and you graduate and the Lord's like, all right, well, there's a lot more options now. And let me tell you, the options that are out there now are a lot more options than there's ever been on this earth, you know? There's some stuff that you eat, you don't even know where it came from, what it's made out of. There's nothing, you know, natural in it, whatever. But even though all things are permissible, they're not all beneficial, right? And yes, is it talking about, you know, decisions and sin and all that stuff? Yes, God is not going to reject you over sinning. Jesus paid for the sin. The sin is no longer an issue for him. It's an issue for you. And so, yes, God is talking about that. He's saying, you know, don't live under the law anymore. You know, if you sin, you're not going to go to hell. I'm not going to condemn you. Jesus paid for that sin. It's just not good for you. It's not profitable for you. But I want you to think for a moment the same way in how we treat our bodies. Because we're a spirit, right? But not everything is spiritual. We have a soul that we need to manage our soul because it's our thoughts, our will, and emotions, right? And we have to manage that. And, uh, and we have a body, and we have to take care of that body. And in the same way, you know, with the body, it's like all things are permissible, but not all of them are beneficial for you. Yes, it's talking about uh, sexual immorality, right? Say, so that's not good for you. But sexual immorality has to do with lust, the lust of the flesh and the lust, lust of the eyes. And so, in a way, we live in a society that everything, if it looks good, well, eat it. If it sounds good and it tastes good, then just eat it. It doesn't matter what it is, but I want to tell you the same thing it says right there. If all things are permissible, but they're not all good for you. So, I think it's a good time being January and all, that the holidays are over, to uh, recalibrate and set our priorities straight, right? How are we going to uh, prosper in our soul and in knowledge of the things that maybe we didn't know so that our health also prospers? Because like it says in 3 John 1, 2, 
It says, my desire is also that you prosper and be in good health. Because let me tell you something. We believe in healing and in miracles, and we pray for them every week, and we will pray for them every week, every day. Anytime somebody needs them, we'll connect our faith to the healing power of the cross, of the blood of Jesus, and we'll believe for a miracle for you. But likely is that if you need a miracle, you're not in good shape. And I'm talking about good shape running a marathon. I'm talking about you're not in a good place if you need a miracle. If you need a financial miracle, it's because you're not in a good place. And let me tell you something. It's way better to live by wisdom and the principles of the kingdom than be the one on the side of needing a miracle. And there is no shame. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment, you know, if you need a miracle. And, and, and that's why I say sometimes it's hard to talk about these things because, you know, we need the supernatural. We need miracles. And it's no, you know, it's not a lesser thing. It doesn't make you better or worse or anything. You know, we know people who flow in the miraculous power of God, yet there's areas of their life that are not in order. Well, there, there's no shame. You just have to, you know, work on that. God is not condemning you. I can't even look at anybody now. This is fun, right? And, um, you know, say it's the beginning of the year where most people sign up for uh, gym memberships, you know, because of goals and like, but, but I don't want you to have an emotional motivation because emotional motivation doesn't last. I want you to have a revelation that is yours, you know, that is in your heart that will move you to do something different. And maybe you're the healthiest person in the world and you don't need to do any, any of that stuff. But let me tell you... Holy Spirit will lead you where to start. The other thing that happens a lot of times when we talk about health is that it becomes overwhelming for some people. They're so far gone in so many things and eating habits or bad habits or whatever, they feel so overwhelmed that they don't do anything. And let me tell you something, it's better to start somewhere with something little and small than never start. And so I want to talk about three, uh, four, I'm not going to go long, just four key points, you know, and, and I'm also, I'm not a certified, you know, nutrition or fitness coach or anything like that, you know, disclosure, I'm not, okay? There's a lot, there's a lot of people here that are, you know, like, just look around, sometimes it looks like we have a bodybuilder's church, you know, here, it's like, and, and uh, so there, there's people that know way more than I do, so I'm just, I just want you to see that it's God's desire for you to take care of your body too, and I think a lot of times if you know, if you've been around the body of Christ for a long time, we've neglected health as a non-spiritual thing. Well, that's not spiritual, so we're not going to talk about it. Well, let me tell you something. You're a triune being. Your spirit, you have a soul and you have a body. So how is your body not connected to your spirit? And the way you treat your body will affect whether you run your race till the end or you don't. And since we are a church of world changers, because that's who you have next to you, it is my desire that you prosper and be in good health also so that you can run your race. Amen? Amen. Um, most people make changes in their life when their life is threatened. And a lot of times that's, you know, it's a hard bounce back. I'm not saying, you know, a, a lot of people, that's when they change and that's when they turn their life around. But don't wait that long. Just start now. So there's... Uh, 
there's a couple things. The first one uh, I want to talk about is food, okay? What you put in your body, it's like you're sowing seeds. You know, just like we say that uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, for above, above all things, guard your heart, for from it flow all the issues of life, okay? Well, this, it, just like it's in the spiritual, it's also in the physical. Whatever you put in your body, you're going to feel, right? Have you ever eaten something and then know, you know at that moment that you're going to feel it? You're going to feel, oh, I'm going to feel this one. I'm definitely going to feel this. And you do, right? And we'll just leave it at that. But what you put in your body is going to affect you. It's going to stay there. You know, is your body's going to process it well or not process it well. Um, and uh, stuff and food is so processed nowadays. It's not like it was in the Old Testament. You know? It's, it's, not, it's not like it was there. Yes, the Old Testament talks about things to not eat and, and things that were in the law and, and things of that nature. You know, then later on we know that God says, you know, uh, you can eat of all, all these things, you know, and, and, but you have to use wisdom, right? And, uh, and so God bless you. You know, we thank God we can eat bacon, right? You know? Yeah. See, this is going to offend some of you, so... That's why at the beginning I said, you know, if you don't agree with me on, on, on diet stuff, it's fine. I'm not trying to change your diet. You know, I'm not trying to change what you eat. But I'm just saying, God gave us bacon. <laughs> and there's healthy fats in bacon that you need for your brain. If you have a non-fat diet, your brain is not getting fed. And is there good fats and bad fats? Yes. You know, is there better bacon? Yes, of course. It's all of that, you know. Um, uh, yes, amen. Uh, the Amplified in 3 John 1, 2 says, I pray that you may prosper in every way, that your body may keep well, be in good health, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Uh-oh. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You know, this is putting an emphasis on taking care of our bodies. And I also want to clarify, this is not about uh, self-external image at all. This has nothing to do with what you look like and the makeup and the stuff. No, none of that, none of that junk, okay? This is about how your body is inside. Because, you know, you can look really good on the outside and not be healthy on the inside, right? And so it, it's not at all. A lot of people make the focus to lose weight. A lot of people make the focus to, you know, to look a certain way. And they make the focus, the exterior focus, instead of the internal focus of health. You, your goal cannot be to look good. Your goal cannot be to lose a certain amount of pounds. Your goal has to be that you want to live a healthy, long life so that you can fulfill the calling for your life. To be healthy, to become healthy, you. Not to look a certain way. Are you with me? Okay? And when you make the external the goal, then um, uh, that puts stress on you. That puts you on performance mode. And it puts you under the, law, under the law, and there's no grace for you to do that. I think I'm hearing like a dog whistle or something, because am I the only one that can hear that? 
gosh. It's not right. Hold on. Okay. Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. You have to listen to the fruit of the Spirit series if you are like, yes, I agree with all that, but I need self-control. Self-control, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control, a sound mind. The only one you have power to control is yourself on a good day. No one else, okay? This isn't for your neighbor. This isn't for your spouse. See, now you have to get in shape. You have to change how you No, this is for you, okay? What is God saying to you? What do you need to do for you? Right? I want to be around for my great, great, great grandkids. And like Moses, you know, play with them and wrestle with them. Like, like that's part of my imagination. That's part of my hope. That's part of my future. I'm like, I want to be around for generations. I want to run my race well. I don't want to be, you know, carried around everywhere with a tank of oxygen. That's not abundant life. And I could understand how somebody wouldn't want to live that long if that's what, how long it's going to look like. Are you there? Right? And so let's have a vision for longevity, but healthy longevity. Let Moses and, and, uh, and Caleb be like your role models. Like, hey, there we go, 120 years old, but strong. I'm going to hike up a mountain on my birthday, and the day I go to heaven, you know, they're going to have a hard time. They're going to have to bring me out with, you know, with a helicopter out of the mountain because I'm so high there, they can't bring me down. So that's how I'm going to go. Oh, you guys. They say that Hezekiah 2.10, that with a spoonful of sugar, the medicine goes down. <laughs> you know, that's in the Bible. Don't look up that book. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. You know, and, uh, you know in uh, 1 Corinthians, you know, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Honor God with your bodies. Am I honoring God you know, with eating so many Twinkies? Am I preparing? You know, I am the offering. Have you ever read how the offerings in the Old Testament were? Like, they presented the, the best lamb. Like, the, like, I'm not saying you have to be perfect. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, like, generally speaking, sacrifices and offerings need to be in pretty good shape. Because they're being presented as an offering. And that's like, ah, there's the ugliest sheep. We don't need her. No. That wasn't how they do offerings. So, fast forward, New Testament, okay, please, I'm not calling anyone an ugly sheep. I am not doing that, okay? That's not it, you know? What I'm saying is, if that's how offerings were presented, it was, it was a good one, it gives us the idea that we should probably take care of what we're presenting to the Lord, Right? Because the other mindset could be like, ah, it doesn't matter. This body's not going to heaven anyway, so psh, do whatever you want to it. No. No, we're, it's telling us we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're where he dwells. Honor God with your bodies, right? Present yourself, you know, as a living sacrifice. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. So that means that if I'm going to serve the Lord in my life, I'm going to present my vehicle. See? Look, if you and your friends are going on a road trip, and you all have cars. Whose car are you going to go in? 
the 25-year-old leaky Pinto or the brand new that, you know, yeah, the brand new BMW that just got serviced and it's in perfect shape. Well, that one, right? Right. So if you're going to run your race for the Lord, you know, you should probably take care of your vehicle so that you can do it as best as possible because you're presenting yourself, your life to the Lord. You're saying, Lord, you gave everything for me. So now I want to do the work you prepared for me. Whether it's being a mom, a dad, a businessman, raising children, being a teacher, being a pastor, a missionary, whatever it is, you've called me and you've prepared works for me. I want to do them to the best of my ability. And so I'm going to take care of my vehicle so that we can go places. Amen. Hmm. Oh, God. So many jokes go through my mind and I have to like, no, no, no. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and our iniquities, the chastisement for peace and well-being for us was upon him. This is the Amplified. And with his stripes, we are healed and made whole. You know, it talks about healing, but it also talks about wholeness. And wholeness has to do with health. It's more of a state of being. It's like walking in divine healing. You don't need healing. You, you are always whole. Okay, and Jesus paid for that. So in other words, it's not like, okay, I get sick, he heals me, I get sick, he heals me, and that's how it's supposed to be because he paid for my healing. No, he paid for your wholeness so that you can stay whole and live in health. Amen? Um, and so what you put in your body is very important, right? What you eat, you know. I, I, uh, I'll tell you this. I, I was on uh, five months of carnivore diet. Glorious thing. You can eat all the meat you can, all the meat you want. <sighs> You're like, what? <laughs> okay, don't look at me like that, okay? And, uh, and it, it was, uh, it's basically an elimination diet, okay? And so what it does is you take out everything except your protein. And, uh, and it reduces the inflammation in your body, you know, consequently. Now, obviously, there's people, you know, I'm not telling you to do this because you should look into it first. You know, there's people with different blood types. There's people who can't process meat correctly. There's people, you know, who, you know, whatever, they, you might not even like meat, you know, which we'll pray for you at the end, too, if there's no problem. Um, but, um, but it reduces the inflammation in your body, and it, what it did is it helped my knee heal a lot faster, you know, because I had knee replacement in April, and so it helped my knee, you know, the inflammation go down and everything, and, and help all my joints. You know, I've heard testimonies of people, their energy comes back, you know, they feel like very clear-minded, uh, they sleep better, snoring goes away. Again, I'm not selling this. I don't, you know, it's just like, eat meat, you know, that's it, you know, um, dairy, and so I did this for five months, and, and, and I felt great and all that stuff, but I kept losing weight and losing weight and losing weight, and I got into this perpetual weight loss, and I couldn't stop, and so I had to 
you know, talk to some friends and they're like, oh, well, you, you do need to start adding some, some carbs now, you know, and, and, and this and that. So, you know, I did change my diet, but for a time being, it helped me a lot because it, and my point is, is this, it cleansed my body from all the other outside sources and things and, and stuff. And now I kind of like started, you know, from a, from a good clean place and added, you know, healthy carbs, you know, and, and, and things of that nature. But um, I tell you that because when you cleanse your body, that's why fasting is so good. Fasting is so good for you because you give your body a rest. And then, the, so the next thing I'm talking about right now is rest. Rest is an important issue in the Bible. Rest is embedded in our life, in every day, okay? Rest is in your 15-minute break at work. Rest is the nighttime. God created the nighttime to sleep. Now with the advancements of technology and the invention of the light bulb, you know, I'm not against that, okay, please. Not against that. But what it means is that we don't naturally go to sleep when, you know, you normally would go to sleep. You know, what happens when, when it starts getting dark is your body starts producing a natural substance called melatonin. And melatonin helps you sleep and stay into a deep sleep through the night. Because you don't, you don't just need eight hours of sleep. Every adult needs between seven and eight hours of sleep. You know, I know you're going to, man, I, I eat, you know, I, I do five and six and I feel great. I do three. It's like, okay, whatever, you know. <laughs> but research shows, you know, you need about seven or eight hours of sleep and you need a good portion of that to be deep sleep. Okay. And so you need to protect your sleep. If you, if you struggle with sleep, you need to come at the end. We're going to pray for you, okay? But rest is so important. Rest is embedded in our day. You know, once a day you're supposed to rest. Uh, it was in the law. It was a Sabbath. You know, at least one day of the week you weren't supposed to work. So God put rest there. All the feasts. You start reading of all the feasts and all the holy days, right? They were rest. God put rest times in everything. The land would rest every certain amount of years, you know? Every, like there's rest in everything. And let me tell you why. Because it takes faith to rest. It takes faith to say, I'm done. There's stuff still to be done, but whew. okay, God, you know, this is where I trust you. It takes faith to rest. And if you can't rest, you might be under the influence of the spirit of toil. Where you feel like you have to always be working because if you stop working, the world will fall apart. Rest takes faith. And that's why God made it such a big deal. And he put it in through, through our weeks, through our days, through our months, and through our years. We go through cyclical time. Cyclical time is full of rests. So rest is very important. Sleep is very important. You know, there's people that drink a little cup of wine before going to sleep. Let me tell you, not so good. It disrupts your sleep patterns. And it doesn't allow you to go into the deep sleep that you should, you know. So I know that got real popular a lot, you know, among millennials and stuff like that. They're like, oh, yeah, a little wine, you know. Got to unwind. Stuff. Let me tell you, that's not helping you. I'm not condemning you if you drink a cup of wine here and there, you know, whatever, that's your thing between you and the Lord, that, you know. But if you think it helps you, that it doesn't help you. It interrupts the melatonin releasing your body. So protect your sleep. If you fall asleep watching TV, 
or you fall asleep on the phone. The, the light of the screen or the TV breaks down the melatonin. So you're like, well, I'll, go, I'll fall asleep when I, you know, when I fall asleep. Well, what you're doing essentially is like driving your car until it's sputtering because it doesn't have any more gas. And that's when you're going to sleep. And I'm going to tell you, I've driven the car till it sputtered. It was like, eh, and then all of a sudden, like, there's no more pull, like a push the gas pedal and there's nothing. You turn a certain way and it's like it finds a puddle of gas in the tank and it goes, that ever happened to anybody? Of course not, you're not Mexican. (laughs) It's happened to me twice, okay? And so when you go to sleep, when you're like, I'll sleep when I fall asleep and you're watching TV and the lights are on and the screen's in your face, that's what you're doing. You're running the car to empty. Nobody does that. Why would you do that with your body? And so protect your sleep. Exercise, my friend Sean says, it's the super pill. Here's the funny thing, and I'm not encouraging bad habits, so please don't hear what I'm not, what I'm not saying, Okay. Studies show that people with health issues that exercise live longer than people with no health issues that don't exercise. I'll just leave it at that. Okay, what do I need? How much do I need to exercise? I don't have time. Whatever. Just do push-ups in your break time. You don't have time. You just do some push-ups, you know, throughout the day. Start somewhere. I'm going to tell you my story where I started exercising. Uh, it was about 2018, you know, I had like on and off, on and off, on and off throughout the years. And then in 2018, first of all, I got a, uh, uh, well, actually, that's the second thing that happened. I got a mentor. But first, I realized and I discovered that it was an issue of the heart. You're like, Pastor Ben, seriously, everything's an issue of the heart? I don't know. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm going to the gym. I got a membership, you know, I'm like in there, you know, and and the first time I try to work out, I feel like a total loser. I'm like, I'm, I feel like nauseous. I'm like, I want to throw up. I'm like, what a loser. And I realize those are not my thoughts. That's the devil telling me you're a loser. You couldn't work out, you know, for a full hour and you feel nauseous now, you know. And so the Lord showed me, the Holy Spirit said, you need to uh, associate new thoughts with working out. Because your thoughts about working out are still from your childhood when you were like, you know, the last one to come in, or you couldn't lift as much weight as the other ones. And so you have an associated thought that you're a loser when you go to the gym and you can't do what others do. I was like, you know, like, okay, Lord. So anyways, I, um, I, uh, I started associating thoughts and it was very simple. So when I walked into the gym, I imagined myself crossing the marathon line, you know, breaking the little yellow ribbon. I'm like, and I started feeling like a winner every time I went to the gym. Even if I lasted five minutes, ten minutes, even if I just walked around, used the restroom, and went back in my car. <laughs> I felt like a winner. I was like, da 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 da. I saw myself on the number one, you know, of all the cubes. I'm like, yes. Well, it changed the way I felt about going to the gym. So the next thing I did, I just started where I was, and I just, you know, 
And then I got a mentor, and a mentor helped me and, and taught me some things. And I've had several mentors, some, some even from, from church here, like JT, and, and that have helped me you know, go to the next level. And now I love it every time I go. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter if there's JT next to me or you know, someone like that that looks like huge bodybuilders or whatever. I'm like, I feel so good about myself because I see myself as a winner every time I go in. So it's very easy for me to work out. As a matter of fact, I miss it you know, when I don't get to work out. And so I do it because it's good for my body, because I want to be around for my kids and for my grandkids, and I don't want them to have to be hauling me around, you know, and, you know, again. And so exercise for the right motives. Start where you're at, you know, work on your heart, whatever you need, and then I don't have time to talk about this one, so I'll talk about this another time, but stress. They didn't have this kind of stress, you know, back in Bible times, um, God gave us uh, two modes to be on, sympathetic and parasympathetic. One of those modes is regenerating life, restoring cells, regenerating your body, healing your body. The other mode is a fight or flight mode, okay? And I'm giving you a lot of information, but it's because this is just the one part, and then we're starting with another series. But your body can only be in one of those two modes at a time. Okay, and one mode is your fight or flight. It means you're you're fighting for your life. Okay, and the other mode is healing and regenerative. Uh, we're supposed to be in that mode all the time. The fight or flight mode is reserved for life-threatening situations. Here's the problem, you know. And, and back then, you know, that was like if you're at war or if a lion or a bear was chasing you, right? We are not at war, and there's no lions or bears chasing us. But a lot of people have lions and bears in their head, chasing them all the time, all day long. They're called boss. They're called spouse. They're called you know, family. They're called money. They're called this. And they're chasing them, and they believe it's a life or death situation. So they put themselves in fight or flight mode all the time, and they never let their bodies be healing and regenerating how they should. So their immune systems are always hanging by a thread. And when the least small thing comes, boom, it hits you hard. So that's a lot in a very short amount of time, you know, that I just shared with you. What I mean, you know, Philippians 4. Just read Philippians 4. Philippians 4, um, uh, 4 says, uh, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice always. Philippians uh, uh, 4 verse 6 says, don't be worried about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Give it to the Lord and receive what? Peace. You guys, we're such a blessed nation and we live in such a blessed place. We cannot live our lives on fight or flight mode. You know, they didn't like my Facebook post. Uh, you know, and then people are in, in uh, fight or flight mode. That's ridiculous, but it happens and it's true. Money, the boss, the whatever, you know, people reject it. You don't, they don't like it. Hey, listen, it's not worth your peace. It's not worth being in anxiety. It's not worth being in fear. 